Disclaimer, I am a counseling student, I am not a mental health professional, and I cannot give or offer mental health services. You are listening to Good You. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I sit down with Macy and discuss toxic and abusive relationships. So Macy is the host of Well As Hell podcast, so make sure to go give that a listen, go give that a follow. And today we're talking about her experience within abusive relationships and um, mine as well. So this is going to be a very open and vulnerable episode, Um, more just trying to spread awareness around this and kind of give people the insight into our awareness afterwards, right? Like hindsight is 2020. And um, this is where we'll be able to kind of spread that awareness to everyone else and just share our experience. So I hope you guys are ready for today's episode. Let's get started. Okay, so I'm sitting here with Macy from the Well as Hell Pod. She is on Instagram, and make sure to check her out at Well as Hell Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thanks, Samantha. I'm super <laughs> stoked to be here. <laughs> yes, and today it's kind of going to be a not like the most fun topic, but but we'll we'll try to make it a little brighter for everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. I. I, I think you mentioned earlier, but like, I think it's both of our kind of coming out in, in public about um, just some of the hard relationships that we've been in, um, in toxic relationships. And I've mentioned it to people before in in brief, but I've never like gotten kind of down to dirty in the details um, as far as like, what kind of did that look like? And what was, what was that like? So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. You know, you tell people in person, but I guess on this format feels a little different. So I'm glad to be doing it with someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Makes it a little less daunting. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's start off with, you know, telling us a little bit about yourself and what you Mm do. Yeah. um, Well, yeah, my name is Macy Gale. I work currently at a small running shop in Eugene, Oregon called Run Hub Northwest. And um, that's been really fun. I never imagined myself working in retail after college, but I um, do shoe fittings like everybody else. Um, that's a big part of the business in run industry. And I do their apparel buying and merchandising, um, which is super fun. Um, we just went through a big remodel. And so that had obviously pretty intensive for merchandising and um, still figuring out a lot there. But uh, yeah, other than that, um, I love to run. Um, I'm a competitive runner and I have been enjoying that. I had run cross country and track in high school and college, and that was a really neat experience and, uh, took a few years off and then kind of slowly got back into it. Now I'm like a little bit more serious about it again. And, uh, it's just fun to like challenge myself in that way. And, uh, yeah, I'm the host of Well As Hell Podcast, <laughs> Surprise. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, which is super fun. That's been a 2022 thing um where I was just like finally in a place where as we can get into later I wasn't in a relationship that was toxic and and life-sucking and have like the energy for it and it's like great um I highly recommend um but yeah and then I'm trying to think if there's anything else but I don't know those are some some nuggets well today we'll be talking about toxic relationships which I should have already introduced at the beginning of this episode and and, um yeah so let's I guess start with why you think it's important that uh people talk about this and become more open about things like this yeah uh 
well, it's not exactly something you learn in school. It's not like a, you know, how to avoid abusive relationships 101 course that you go through. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I'm happy to be a resource for people who are interested in learning about that. And I'm not an expert on the subject by any means, but um, yeah, just speaking from my personal experience, I think that is really valuable. And I think there's probably like a couple different types of people who would be listening to an episode like this. There's the kind that like want to avoid an abusive relationship in the first place. That's awesome. And then there's probably more likely the case where there's people who have been in a toxic or abusive relationship that are looking to um, hear other people's experiences because there's something so impactful about that and not feeling alone. And that's another big reason I think it's important to talk about it. There's so much shame around the idea of um, being, I guess, like a victim of abuse, or I would probably like prefer to call it like, oh, there's like a better name for it um, that I'm like forgetting right now. But um, I don't know, someone who's like been through an abusive relationship, because I think that term victim kind of has a lot of like negative connotation to it. Um, But there's so much shame around it. Survivor, yeah, like a survivor okay. of abuse. Thank you. Yes. Yep. Um, I was like, it's there. It's only. I'm just <laughs> I, I was thinking with you. We were both <laughs> had the gears turning. I saw it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's. I think it's something that is so helpful to hear other people that have gone through that. Um. Because when you have gone through it, you're so likely to just keep that to yourself. Like you and I, and and our experiences have kind of seems like largely done and uh yeah I'm just excited to be able to I don't know be a comfort to those who have um gone through things like that yeah and hopefully this can be super healing for someone who just doesn't really know where to turn and doesn't want to feel judged by others Mm -hmm. I I really like that you said um the shame aspect and I think we'll get into that um in in a question later on I want to come back to the shame aspect of it. Um, but yeah, there there's shame and guilt, which is so, it's so funny because it's funny, but it's not funny. (laughs) It's, it's funny because, you know, you, you do nothing wrong except to just overly care. Mm. And, and then, and then you blame yourself for caring so much that you you quote unquote, you got yourself in this and and you didn't. Um, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, depending on the situation um, or, you know, because a toxic relationship is a very broad thing. Yeah. However, I think it's pretty common for mm-hmm. like in those relationships um, to experience somebody framing things in a way that creates you as kind of the <clears throat> the reason behind things not going right um, and the problem and mm-hmm. that blame piece and like depending on how long you're in that relationship that can become your internal story and that carries on not just at the end of the relationship but after um if you have the the privilege of of ending such a thing so absolutely gaslighting can be the like biggest thing that can cause someone so much anxiety and so much just a beat to their self-esteem and confidence and and yeah, like you said, that continues to after as well. I mean, if you look up the types of gaslighting there is, you've probably heard at least one of them from somebody before. Yeah. I mean, I know you're supposed to be asking the questions here, but my internal podcaster is coming out. What yeah. um, what are like, because I know of a couple, but I'm sure you know more, like what are different types of gaslighting and what does that look like? Do you have examples? Oh, well, yes, I do. Hang tight. <laughs> I have my whole notes right here. For the last <laughs> Let's see. So the different types of gaslighting are countering, withholding, trivi- trivializing, denial, diverting, and stereotyping. And so you have uh, countering, which is... Um, denying what they remember. So I don't think you're remembering this correctly or that never happened. So denying someone's perception or reality. Uh, Withholding is when a gaslighter pretends that they don't know what you're talking about. Trivializing, obviously it's disregarding your feelings. I was just kidding. God, you take things so seriously. 
Uh, denial is when they refuse to take responsibility. Diverting is when they try to change the focus of the argument or discussion to questioning your credibility. So uh, you have, what, what do you know? You're just a kid or you, what do you know? You're just a cashier or whatever. Uh, and then stereotyping that can do with someone's race, gender, ethnicity, and just minimizing their experience through, through that reasoning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah really um, <laughs> not great stuff. No. <laughs> yeah. When you become used to that, though, like, it, it just feels so normal and it becomes normalized and you don't think anything of it, which is why it's helpful sometimes to hear other people be like, um, you know, give really specific examples and you can kind of be like, wow, that sounds familiar. Like, oh, wait, <laughs> you know, yes. um, and you start ga- gaslighting yourself. Like eventually you start saying those things to yourself before the person even gets to do it for you. Mm-hmm. And that's sad. when it becomes really dangerous and yeah. And really, really sad. So, you know, now I guess is the point where we kind of can dive in and if you feel comfortable sharing your history with the toxic and abusive relationships. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd love to kind of share about that. Obviously everything will be like fairly vague in the sense that like, I, you know, as, as much pain as these people may have caused me, like they're still human beings and um, I want to respect that and um, never want to be shaming anybody, um, which is ironic because, you know, they might've delivered a lot of that shame, but um, I, that's just not who I am. And I think, um, yeah, I want to stick to that. And yeah. So with that in mind, um, my first relationship ever was a, a relationship that happened right after high school. And I didn't date much in high school because uh, I lived in kind of a, like a pretty conservative household and we weren't allowed to date, which is mm-hmm. funny because my, my twin sister ended up actually like kind of dating during high school and then ended up like marrying her high school sweetheart. And it was super cute. and They're cute. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just wasn't into, into guys in high school. I was just like, you guys are immature, like whatever. So right after um, I kind of had an experience where there's a guy who took interest in me and I had never like really been on the receiving end of someone like being interested in me. And it was exhilarating. It was fun. It was like, wow. And uh, I, I think I got really wrapped up in that and kind of just like went with that without critically thinking about like, is this something I want? You know, it's just like, I love, I loved the attention. And of course at the time I didn't, I wasn't like doing it just for the attention. I didn't realize that, but like later on, I, I realized that like, that was really the main reason is I loved the attention piece of it and yeah. got along well with them. But just because you like attention and get along well with someone is not a reason to date them. Yep. <laughs> um, absolutely. Yeah. So since then, I think I'm a lot more critical about what I'm looking for and being more intentional with my time and energy. And in this situation, it was a long distance relationship. So it was mostly like, actually, it was mostly emailing, which makes me sound like really old. But um, at the time, I had like this phone plan that was like minutes, like we we paid for like minutes on our phone because it was one of those like little slidey phones. And oh um, my gosh, like we're dating that. ourselves as like um on the on the spectrum here. It's but fun. uh yeah, so we emailed a lot and yeah. I spent just a lot of time emailing because it takes so much time to type and um but I like wanted to be in this relationship and a lot of that conversation um was like I felt like I was just digging myself out of a hole because this person would um just constantly blame me for issues we were having and there was there's so much blame and it was like really challenging and it wasn't until I had a conversation uh, with my twin sister who um, I'm very close with that she pointed out like this sounds like a cycle like this is repetitive nature like this sounds like kind of abusive and when she said that it was we were like sitting out on the porch at my parents' house. Um, uh, and I was just like, whoa, like that's the first time anyone, anyone had really like talked about like abusive relationships, like in my context. And it was kind of shocking. It was a little bit jarring. And, but I almost immediately was like, 
you're so right. Like I did not see it. And like, that's the uh, one thing with some of this, like being in in a toxic relationship is you don't see it. And that outside perspective is so helpful. Um, but also can be really challenging to hear. And I think we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, But yeah, so that was my first experience. And I realized like I need to end this and then ended up ending it over the phone because I didn't want him to have to like drive all the way down Eugene just for me to break up with him. And uh, it was... (laughs) it was a hard conversation and he ended up just like swearing me out on the phone call. And I was just like, wow, like that's really affirming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Thank you for confirming. That. <clears throat> I was like, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was like my first relationship experience and that's all I had to go off of. And I think I was like, so familiar with that, that like, that's maybe what I would like subconsciously was then kind of basing my decisions off of with men. Um, But yeah, the relationship I had after that was a long-term relationship. I think we were together close to seven years um, for two of those we were married in. Um, Yeah, it it was a a really tough one. That last, the long-distance relationship, I would kind of retrospectively describe as like emotionally abusive. Mm -hmm. Um, This this long-term relationship was... um, Again, like looking back at it, I, I had no idea in, in the middle of it, um, but was like financially, emotionally and sexually abusive. And um, yeah, once I realized what it was, like, I don't even know, like six to 12 months later after that ended, it took a while to even like come to terms with that, um, let alone like healing from that talking to other people about that so here I am like uh I don't know like two-ish years later um and I'm I'm finally in a place where I've um accepted those things and I feel confident enough in myself to be able to share my journey um and that was a long (laughs) long time coming um and I've had a lot of support from just my friends my family uh, my therapist, my EMDR therapist, who I found this year. Uh, yeah, if you ever want to hear about EMDR therapy or hear from my therapist specifically, I did an episode with her. Um, it's episode five on the Wells Hope podcast. So you guys can always like awesome. check that out if you want to. She's amazing. Um, and EMDR it, is is amazing. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's been a game changer. Yeah, because I did years and years and years of therapy um, throughout my, like, early to mid-20s, and that's been instrumental. Highly recommend. Yes, yes. (laughs) I'm not saying that just because I'm talking to someone who's studying to be a therapist, but (laughs) um, it's been so impactful for me. But EFDR therapy specifically, like, I I started it because I I knew I'd heard other people have success with it who had had different traumas, and I had been so engrossed in therapy and felt like there was still aspects that I had not like dealt with or gotten to, but didn't know how to get there. So I wanted to try a new mode of, of therapy and it's been incredible, um, so far, but anyway, so yeah, those were kind of two, um, kind of earlier, early to mid twenties kind of timeline, um, of me kind of figuring out, uh, what, (laughs) what wasn't working (laughs) and, um, Yet I still went there from there and found myself in yet another kind of toxic relationship. And um, I don't know if I would describe it as as abusive. Um, and I would love to hear your thoughts on like the differences between like a toxic and a, an abusive relationship. Because um, I think there are definitely some differences. I just don't know what they are. Um, but in this, this was like about a year long relationship fairly recently and this person was extremely controlling that I do know but it they didn't respect my boundaries um, didn't prioritize my sexual pleasure were extremely possessive in a lot of ways and it was kind of disguised in the beginning um, as like just a very like charismatic person really good with people everything was rainbows and butterflies and I think I got kind of swept up in that and and didn't see a lot of those warning signs in the beginning Mm -hmm. 
um, because they they weren't obvious at first. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was all very subtle. (laughs) So yeah, that's been like kind of three um, experiences I've had that have, um, yeah, been very, very toxic. And I am trying my darndest to like change what what I am looking for and being very aware of of people and tendencies they have and asking a lot of questions and not trying not to get swept into it too quickly. Um, Cause I feel like I'm somebody who just like falls hard and deep in love. And that's not the best um, for just avoiding some of this stuff. So yeah. Anyway, it's kind of a long winded answer, but um, that's been kind of some of my experiences in brief with, um, kind of abusive relationships. Yes. Thank you for being so vulnerable and discussing those. And I, and we needed that to be a long answer because I think people uh, don't realize as well that it can happen more than once, you know? Um, yeah. So that was really important, I think, to bring up. And yeah, I do think there is a difference and between, between toxic and abusive relationships. I think all abusive relationships are toxic relationships, but not all toxic relationships are abusive. And Mm. I would have to say that in my opinion, I didn't really do any research on this. So just take this at uh, my opinion, (laughs) but um, I would have to say that abusive relationships are when one person is being extremely affected in a way that is mentally, uh, is, is, is hurting them mentally physically, emotionally, whereas toxic relationships, I think are more when people can do it together. Um, and if it's just toxic, not toxic and abusive. So I've seen people who like argue all the time and they're just, or maybe they just don't really like each other, but they're staying together. So it's more like this thing where it's like, well, it's toxic because y'all aren't happy, but I don't think it's hurting them mentally. Does that make sense? They're just not Mm. happy and they're staying in it. Um, That that's just my opinion there. I'm not, I didn't do any research on that. And if I'm just trying to find a quick answer, but I do think that um, a lot of toxic or I'm sorry, abusive relationships start with um, heavy. What's the word um, that I'm thinking of? uh, Love bombing. Yeah. Like flattery, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, gift giving, um, yeah, big time flattery, uh, compliments and making someone feel so good about themselves and so beautiful. And, and that's huge. That's exactly how people get reeled into that, especially someone who, I mean, for me, when I was, when I, my, my abusive relationship was my first one as well. And I think it always has to do with that because you don't really know different. You don't have things to compare to yeah. If your first relationship was really, really healthy and then you step into a toxic one, I wonder if that makes a difference for people, you know, because then you have something to compare it to. Mm-hmm. But my first relationship was definitely abusive in emotional and mental nature and I, uh, and, and sexual nature. And so, and I was in high school. So I was 14 during this relationship and it was short lived, but long lasting in its effects because this person has tried to contact me years later, even mm-hmm. in my marriage. So like, uh, yeah. And that girl, I'm 26. So like, um, but 14 to 26 and it's, and it's, you know, I, it, you try to block on everything. And, uh, but it's when someone is putting you down to a point where, um, it can be so confusing because one minute it's putting you down and the next it's over apologizing, right? It's this, I'll never do it again. Or I'll never say that again. I didn't mean it. I was just blah, blah, blah. Like, or it's the gaslighting and you have both. So either you forgive them because it was an accident. Right. Um, and newsflash, it's not an accident. People can control themselves. <laughs> better than you think they can. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to control yourself, they should too. at least at the very least hold someone to the standards that you hold yourself to. Um, and if they aren't, you know, 
I'm not saying that everyone's raised in a perfect household to where they don't have these triggers and they might not lash out, um, but at, they can seek therapy as well for those kinds of things because you shouldn't be their resource in fixing that. You are, you are even, even me going to school to be a therapist, I would never want to be my husband's therapist. He has his own, you know what I mean? So like, that's not how it's supposed to work. You're not supposed to be that for that person. And you definitely aren't supposed to be someone's uh, outlet for their anger um, and frustrations. And obviously being so young, that was, I think the most confusing is like, I thought this dynamic was just normal. Um, mm-hmm. my, my parents had a restaurant growing up, so it would be like fighting at work and then they'd come home and they'd be fine. And so I was like, this, this seems normal and it's not. <laughs> and, uh, I, it wasn't until my friend said, this is verbal abuse. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, it's not. And she said, okay, then what is verbal abuse? And when she said that specific question, I was like, Oh, just like what you said, like the, oh, moment. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. You're this. Yeah. That's exactly what's happening. Um, and you know, you, you don't, even then sometimes it's hard to kind of go to the next step with that. It's, it's it is, it is a crashing moment because you really feel like some wind gets knocked out of you. Cause you're like, whoa. Um, and then once it starts happening again, you're like, yeah, this, this makes sense. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's why it's important to be able to be open with your friends about those things, even though sometimes it sucks to do that because, uh, sometimes people aren't that receptive to want to hear things like that. Um, and even when you do tell them and they stay around, like, what do you do next? Like, how much can you tell this person? And, and I understand that that's very difficult and we'll dive into that later but um but yeah so that's a very short tidbit but um I you know had maybe two three relationships after that that were short and then I met my husband when we were uh when I was a junior and he was a senior in high school and so I I got very lucky very quickly (laughs) and even though high school felt like 30 years um it's you know it's it's possible to find someone out there. So for anyone listening, that doesn't <laughs> act that way. Like, I know it's hard to believe, but it, it, it is. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah so, that was subtle. Yeah. Uh, we have too much to live in this world too long to be with someone that makes us miserable. Yeah. Yeah. You were mentioning how like, I think you in your relationship, you're kind of fighting a lot and that was like kind of normal. But I I do want to point out, I think, and, and this is just my opinion, but I don't think that early on in a relationship, whatever that means, maybe, maybe the first year or whatever, mm-hmm. that it should be hard. It should not be challenging to yeah. be in a relationship with someone in the beginning. If, if you're finding that there's a lot of arguments and it's a lot of work like no run away (laughs) like yeah like that's that's not how it's supposed to be um if if you're with someone who is mentally and emotionally mature and at your level and aligns with your life well it will be easy it will be natural it will it will not take a lot of effort to stabilize it constantly um and I think that's a, a big kind of red flag for um, just to look out for. And if you're experiencing that, like, that's just probably not a good fit as hard as it is to come to terms with that. Absolutely. Okay. Things to look out for. Um, people threatening you, like, or threatening the relationship. Uh, people who um, you jump, feel free to jump in here. Cause there, there are plenty of things to look out for, but definitely within the first year, if lies, you're, Oh, lies. And then gaslighting <laughs> you for those lies and telling you that they're not lying. Yeah. You have, or just, proof. yeah, yeah. I've, I've experienced in a past relationship, someone who can just like 
like would tell little white lies and could lie so easily. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, well, okay, that's kind of weird, but like whatever. But like that's kind of a big deal. Like that's huge. If someone can like be dishonest like that so nonchalantly, like that's very concerning. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that was that was just in our relationship, but even learning about lies that they had told in the past, um, like yeah, there was someone I was with who had played played football in in high school and um their parents didn't want them to I mean there's a lot of reasons why a parent wouldn't want their child to be playing a highly dangerous sport but um yeah that uh ends in a lot of physical and and mental you know kind of injury uh however this person was so like into that idea of playing that sport that they um, forge their parents' signatures on things to get into the sport. They would practice and then leave all of their gear at home. And then, so they literally played a sport in high school that their parents didn't even know about. And like, still, I don't even think no to this day. And like, it was, it was things like that, that I, I heard and was like, oh, like, that's not good. But I like, wasn't like, oh, this is really concerning. Like, I don't want to be with someone who, Right, you just thought, oh, he's just you know? rebellious. Like they're just rebellious yeah. as a kid. Like, like he that, goes he... after his dreams no matter what. That's a strength. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. No. Um. So yeah, lies is is a big one. Absolutely. Uh. And let's see. There's, um, one thing that I learned in therapy, uh, is the term unconditional love, and obviously, you know short-term relationships, you're learning to be with this person. You, you don't really experience that love yet, but if you're in a long-term relationship and your love is conditional on if that person is happy with you, that's not unconditional love. Unconditional love means loving no matter what, no matter Mm -hmm. what. And it should never be held over your head. It should never be, uh, blackmailed. Um, and yeah, I would have to say that's another one too. Yeah, I think along those lines, if somebody is upset about whatever, how you treated them or some, I don't know, you didn't clean the dishes, I don't, I don't know, whatever, and they aren't able to have a conversation with you that is calm and respectful um, in nature about it, then like if they're, if they're erupting about things and, and can't have a calm conversation um, and be kind to you and, and, and loving in that conversation, like run away. <laughs> That's yeah. just my, just be my catchphrase is just run away. Just run. <laughs> Flee the yeah. scene. Run the hell away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I'm trying to think back to this specific moment, but one, like I said, any threats to self or relationship, but if, if someone's saying that they hope that you die, um, if they say that, yeah, those were fun times at 14 oh, gosh. Um, or if they are threatening suicide of themselves, if you don't talk to them, those are extreme situations. And let's say if you're younger, if you're in, if you're a teenager, um, or if you have, if you have a teenager, if you're listening make sure that they know, or make sure, you know, to contact either someone that person knows like their parents, or if you're older, uh, contact 911. Okay. And it, again, that is not your responsibility to be responsible for someone and if, and what they do with themselves that, that they are using that for manipulation at that point. Um, and just in case they are not, uh, just in case that they are serious, then contact 911. And that way you've done your part and all you can do, because that really is all you can do. You can't rescue someone like that. Um, mm. and any threats to you or, um, or to themselves in those ways, like those are huge red flags. And, and, uh, sometimes even then you don't notice, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I think that's all I can think of at the moment. And we'll, I'm sure we'll think of more on the way, but what do you think people don't really understand when it comes to abusive relationships? 
Yeah, I can think of several things. Um, another, not red flag necessarily, but something to be aware of is uh-huh. a lot of times people who are very manipulative um, are extremely good in like social settings, um, being able to understand people and understand what they want and deliver that to them. And so I don't want to say like it's a red flag because like obviously getting along well with people and doing well in social situations is not a bad thing, but I would just keep that in mind That's um, a good point. that a lot of the manipulative relationships I've been in have that in common where um, they're very charismatic. They're very well liked by a lot of people. Um, they have a very good reputation. Um, and a lot of that is because they're, able to deliver what people want um but it's in, it's likely and actually it would be a question for you but in my head i i think it's a subconscious thing i don't think they're intentionally like oh i'm gonna get everyone to like me and i'm gonna do it this way you know like i i genuinely think it's like something that they've learned in the past and um kind of employ just you know for for the benefit of that perception of them um I think yeah I, I yeah is I think it? that is okay. absolutely be, I think it's when when we're growing up when and we're kids and we do certain things that allow us to get our way and that manipulate others even if it's uh crying to get our way screaming crying well if someone learned that um being charismatic and funny and kind can get their way not that people, all people that are kind are like this, but like, yeah, that, that can help. And then when it doesn't notice those red flags too, when those things don't go their way, when people don't like them, how do they react? Do, do they get mm. really angry with that person? Do they talk shit about this person in a really, really weird way that you're like, that's a little aggressive just because someone doesn't like you or didn't agree with you in this uh, point. So things like that to look out for too. Yeah. Um, I would also say like, there are so many things you can look out for in those red flags we're talking Mm -hmm. about. I think what doesn't get enough time and attention is like the red flags in ourselves and Mm -hmm. these, these pieces that, that of ourselves that are causing us to be attracted to a certain type of person. Now I don't, I want to be cautious when I'm saying that because I don't want to say like, oh, you got yourself in an abusive relationship and it's your fault. Um, That's not what I'm saying at all, but I think there um, subconsciously are a lot of things that influence our decisions and our attraction to different people. And if we're not aware of those things, that's where I think we can get into a lot of trouble. So being aware of, um, and sometimes you don't know until you have some experience and some and a track record. Yeah. But I think being aware of um, examples in in your family that um, aren't healthy mm-hmm. and and trying to because naturally that's going to kind of inform what what you're looking for um, is what you've seen on a regular basis growing up through development. And just being aware of, of some of those things or characteristics about yourself that aren't healthy. Um, yeah, I think that is um, equally important to just being aware of other people's tendencies. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. I think the reason or not the reason, but one of the reasons that I even got into that relationship was I had lost a lot of weight significantly quickly that year. And when I, when I got into my first relationship and getting the attention that I got, like what you had said earlier was really what I think got me so excited. This was my first boyfriend and like whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously being, being young, you don't realize like early twenties is young. Teenage is young. Later twenties is young. (laughs) You, you don't realize these things until you're older and you've gone through it and, yeah. um, and have experience, or if you've seen someone else go through it and um, that's close to you that you can kind of learn from, but 
even then sometimes people take that as like this is what's normal and um yeah i agree i think it's it's important to be self-aware and that's something that you learn in therapy is self-awareness and um that's huge yeah yeah along those lines like i had gotten married at 23 i imagine you probably got married at a, a young age if you started dating in high school um like you feel so old and so mature when when you're that age and oh, you it's, feel mature it's hilarious you feel you yeah. feel like you're in your 30s at 15 years old and you're not you're not <laughs> yeah yeah and I feel I feel mature right now as a 27 year old I was like uh no like you're a baby <laughs> like <laughs> yeah yeah we have so much time um to learn about ourselves and to to grow in relationship with other people and we don't even know the half of it. So, um, yeah, as we're, we're talking about these things, I just want people to keep in mind that like, we're aware that we are, you know, still growing and still so young and have so much to learn, um, but also so much to offer too. Absolutely. And sharing uh, these experiences is one of them. Like, I mean, yeah, I was so young, but I found myself and you found yourself in these abusive relationships. First thing, first thing. And so young. So, yeah, definitely. Um, but I think there's a big aspect that comes with it. And it's like we were talking about earlier, uh, the shame of it and not wanting to seek help for it because there's misunderstandings when it comes to these types of relationships. So what do you think people don't understand about people who are in abusive uh, relationships? As far as like how pe- other people outside of that view them. Yeah. Um, it is a lot harder to, one, in the first place, like we talked about, recognize what the situation is when you're in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also it's really hard to leave that. Um, just like any relationship, but probably especially so. Um in an abusive one. And I would say, you know, anyone who hasn't had that experience for themselves and looks at that and thinks like, why the heck are they, they're smarter than this. Like they could be better than this. Like, why are they, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they, well, one, they just don't, don't get it. Cause they haven't experienced that, but I'd encourage them to be um, just really, I don't know, not uh, gracious, but like uh what's the word I'm thinking for? Like compassionate? Yeah, exactly. Open. Yeah. Trying to do some research on if this is a very common thing that it's a hard thing to get out of and it's a hard thing to recognize, maybe do some research on why that is before judging someone in it. Yeah. And I would say it depends on your relationship to that person that Mm. you're seeing in that relationship. If um, you have a very close relationship with them and they trust you um, and and that kind of thing it and it, it's discretion you know but I think you might be in a position where you can say something about it to them and that is probably the most challenging um, position to be in, to, to see someone who's in a dangerous, um, or hurtful situation that they can't recognize. And it's a very vulnerable thing to say, I'm concerned about you. I, I love you. I am here for you. Mm -hmm. This is what I see. And I am concerned about it and not that like, Oh, you need to get out of this relationship right now. But you know, like I, I noticed, uh, you know, when, when Joe's around you and you guys were playing a game of chess, he was like putting you down a lot and saying really hurtful things. Like, how did you feel about that? And, and what is that like for you? Does that concern you? You know, um, I think it's, you have to go come about it with a lot of, um, discernment and, um, just gentleness. But I think, that's the beginning of them coming to recognize what that is if they don't see it already. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from the other side, I've had like close family members from <laughs> the first day my um, ex-husband had not husband yet, but early boyfriend time mm-hmm. had met my, my parents. I, I had them over at my parents' house or had him over at my parents' house. 
uh, my dad like talked to me afterwards and I asked him, and this was kind of the last time I asked my parents ever, like how they felt about somebody, because I remember my dad was like, yeah, he seems like a great guy. And, and then he listed like a really specific thing that he noticed a characteristic about this guy that he was concerned about. And I think when it comes to like a parental relationship, that's borderline. Like depending on your relationship with your child, most of the time parents giving feedback about a relationship or concerns is going to be so off-putting that it's not received. And in this situation, I had like been, obviously grew up in my parents' household. I lived there several years during college and there's just kind of a sense of like you, uh, you, you don't have that freedom um, and you're, you're wanting that, but you, you have to live with them. And that, that power aspect, I think kind of takes away that ability to receive that feedback. So as far as like a parental relation or, you know, a parental relationship of some sort or authority relationship, um, I would, I would hesitate for, for them to give that, that feedback. Cause I think it can be very off putting. Um, I remember hearing that thing and thinking like, well, whatever, like he's a great guy, like whatever, yep. you know, like, yep. and I became kind of callous to that, which made me less receptive to anybody's opinion of my partners in the future. So um, that would be like the one kind of exception I see and in my experience um, as far as like your ability to help. Um, But yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I get that truly. Um, Especially when you're young and you're like, no one understands. How could you understand you're old? Sorry, no one's old. (laughs) But like when you're young, you're like, you're old. Like you don't even get it. Like this is just whatever, like, you know, you've been with, you know, mom or whatever for so long and you, you don't, you don't know what new relationships are like. And, and you feel then you're, you're beginning that process of isolating. And then you start to think, well, then no one understands. And then keeping mm-hmm. more and more to yourself. And that shouldn't deter anyone from trying. And it's just about being aware that it's hard to be receptive to those things when you're wearing rose colored glasses, like, and, and then when we talk to someone else and they're putting these like extremely clear lenses on and you're like, no, I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah. Back to my rose colored goggles. Okay. And, and so then you get frustrated with the people that love you and care about you and just want the best for you. And sometimes it'll come out as uh, you're, you must be jealous of my relationship or you don't know them or like you, they just are having a bad day. You don't know what they're really like. And, and, um, but sometimes those bad days are one too many. And uh, yeah. That's and I think not receiving that well, I think comes from a place where like you take it personally because yes. this is a decision that you've made and to have that not look good or be bad for you reflects poorly in your head, of course, yeah. on on your discernment and your ability to choose. And um, yeah, I think that's why we kind of have that lash out a little bit when when receiving some of that feedback, especially from like figures of, of authority in our life, uh, that I think that's pretty common. Yeah, yes. And with, with a lot of things, not just relationships. I mean, think yeah. about, think about how you, how much you rebelled when you were young. I mean, I, I did everything. My parents literally the opposite of what they wanted me to do all the time, <laughs> just, just for the fact that they said something. And I was like, yeah, mm, they said it. So no. Uh, yeah. And, and it, you know, you catch yourself in situations you're, and I'm older now and I'm like, how am I okay ish right now? You know what I mean? Like, how am I like, a functioning human being with what I put myself through, (laughs) but it really gets to the point where yeah, parents do know they've been through things and you just don't realize that. And I think the best thing that a parent can do for their kid 
is one, have these uncomfortable conversations before they get into these relationships. Mm, yes, absolutely. The red flags. Yeah. Let, let them know what to look out for from the beginning. And it's not your fault if you end up in this relationship because people are looking for people who are kind to be in relationships with to manipulate. People are looking for hurt people to hurt more. Yeah. I think that's an excellent point. I think it would be so cool to have, um, you know, an upbringing where you're constantly like talking about, well, just deeper stuff in general, which I feel like I didn't fully have. Um, but like, I think, you know, you, you come from home from church and you guys are, are making lunch together and you're like, Oh, you remember that conversation we had with so-and-so like, remember how that went down? Well, like, here's my thoughts on it. I think like, this is, you know, that this is something that they were going through and that, you know, that trying to explain how you think about how other people are thinking, um, you know, like that was a really manipulative situation that we just went through. Here's why. Um, and cause when you're younger, especially before like your prefrontal cortex is fully developed, like you weren't aware of these things. The world literally revolves around your little bubble and that's all you see. You can't see other people because you haven't developed that part of your brain. But I feel like if these conversations were being had, it doesn't make that part develop faster. But I think it makes those connections happen at a younger age um, where you're just thinking about other people's motivations and aware of the the nuanced ways that that people work. Um, so yeah, learnings, self awareness from a young age, but also like just awareness in general and having conversations yeah. with within the family unit um, would be, I think, instrumental. Yeah, and that's I think coming also- from someone who's like not a parent at all but you know no no I'm not either and like you know easier said than done obviously from an outside point and I think but even then I do think these conversations are important to have and I don't think that this is something that um I, I think it's something that if we were to be taught uh we would have been maybe probably more aware and that's not to blame our parents I think our parents grew up mm-hmm. in the same way and they had the tools that they had and they used what they, yeah. they could. And I think at the same time that there, um, there's another tool that I would suggest to parents and it's building your child's self-esteem as much as you can, like telling them how beautiful they are, telling them how much they deserve, how strong they are, how smart they are, are how kind they are, how they're a good person, how they, um, attract good people and are around good people and, and let them know that like they deserve those things. And, and I know it's hard to, I can, I can only imagine how hard it is as a parent to constantly do that for your kid. But I think that's very important um, so that your kid knows that I don't deserve to be talked to like this. Um, And Mm. they're they're learning from their home environment as well. Are you, uh, possibly taking out some anger but do you have the skills to be able to go and apologize yeah there is nothing in my opinion more attractive than someone who can readily apologize for their actions that is the hottest thing (laughs) that anyone could possibly do that and master their falsetto that is also just like incredibly attractive but I think um yeah yeah, that humility is probably yes. one of the traits that I admire the most in people and um, find the most attractive. Absolutely. Um, I think that and then just a solid communication, but a solid sense of communication, someone who genuinely wants to hear your feelings and cares, huge. And they're out there. I know Absolutely. it doesn't seem like it, but they're out there. Yeah. They absolutely are. And we talked about some of the red flags, like hindsight being 2020. Did you have any others that you want to add in? Cause I didn't realize that that was right after this question. Um, yeah, I feel like it all kind of melds together and is interrelated. Um, yeah. Being 
being self-aware and aware of all the things we mentioned before. I, I can't think of anything specific off the top of my head. In addition to those, I think we covered a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we also even talked about what family members can look out for, but did you have anything else that you wanted to add in there for that? Hmm. Yeah. I think with the family member thing, it's being aware of, of your relationship. And I would hesitate to recommend parents or parental figures to be the ones to have that conversation unless that is like the only person I think when it comes to that like people who are of kind of like more of an equal status you know like it it feels like you're at the same level like your friendships and mentors like yeah I feel like that those are more opportunities for that conversation um of concern and, and presenting that to them. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think parents can also look out for, um, one thing that I I've had certain friends do is to not bring around that person. Like, Mm. so to friend events where all the, all the boyfriends would be in attendance and theirs wouldn't be, um, or, a parent can look at, um, self-harm. Um, if your kid is harming themselves, um, that's definitely a sign that you should seek therapy or some type of guidance for that. child. Yeah. Always. Absolutely. A time to step in. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think another sign to look for is, um, probably if they're on their phone a lot and really upset a lot, and they're in this mm. new relationship. Um, if they're constantly having to excuse themselves at the room and they come back in a different mood, or if they constantly have to excuse themselves from an event to go home. Um, yeah, I would have to say those are things to look out for too. Yeah, that's a good point in that first relationship I talked about where we were mostly emailing back and forth, like constantly on um, you know, my, my phone or my computer constantly trying to like work out stuff, constantly stressed out. And, um, yeah, yeah, very true. And, um, for friends, like, like we had talked about earlier with parents, um, not being the best to say something, but even friends, like, I know it's hard because the person who's the abuser's job is to isolate you from people who disagree. Mm -hmm. And, that's their role. So if they find out that your friend is saying that what they said is not okay, uh, they're going to start pointing out things that your friend's toxic. Your friend mm. is jealous of our relationship. Um, and, and I know it's scary as the friend to be that vulnerable and say, look, I'm seeing this. Um, and I think to just add in there is like, look, I'm always here for you. Uh, no matter, no matter what, um, no matter if it's way in the future, you need me or now. So, because I think a lot of the times too, when people are so secluded in those abusive relationships, they're like, I have no one left. All my friends don't want to be friends with me anymore. Uh, my family doesn't talk to me anymore. And then they really feel stuck in those relationships but to just make sure your arms are always open for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that applies like in a, in a larger sense to you to just anytime you're having a conversation where you're talking about hard things or it could come across as criticism, or you just want to bring something up to work through that's bothering you about another person is just like coming about it and framing it in a loving way yeah. and not just like, you know, charging, head first into like, well, you need to start doing that. You know, like, it's like, whoa, yeah. you know, like, like accusatory. Hey. <laughs> yeah. You know, like one, Hey, is it okay if we have a conversation right now? Um, that might be difficult. Are you in a headspace for that too? Yeah. Like, Hey, I care about you. I love you. And I want this to work better. And here's how I think it could work better and avoiding the word, but, you know, uh, these, yeah. these trigger words and conversations, um, avoiding you, this, you, that, you know, using I statements, all of these things, I think 
apply both to gently addressing concerns you have for people you love, but also just as a whole in your relationships. Um, it all comes down to, to communicating better, which again, we don't have these courses of how to avoid toxic relationships 101 and how to have, how to communicate 101. Like we just don't have that. And no, so that's, these that's in your home environment over that's- time in yeah, yeah, if you don't have that in your home environment, then you're screwed. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, like I, I just think it, that can be so helpful um, to have those those ways of communicating as a whole. But yeah, I, I love that you said those things because that's extremely important. The I uh, statements and avoiding, but and also is a very good replacement of but just and also this because when you when you say but it just negates everything you just said and strictly listen to what I'm saying here. Um, so yeah, I, I think you being able to communicate with them is also a way for a, a good, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just something that people can look to, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's how it's supposed to look like kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Example, a good yeah, example. Modeling that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah. Um, do you have any advice for people who are feeling stuck and unworthy and just feel unworthy of leaving an abusive relationship? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Um, well, one, like <laughs> I feel your pain. You're not in this alone. I think it can feel so lonely to feel just in that, that hurtful situation. And there's so much fear and you may be isolated because of the relationship. And I just would say like, one, you aren't alone. Like there are so many people who have gone through this and, you know, we've mostly given examples of females um, in heterosexual relationships. This could apply to anybody. There are men who are in relationships that are abusive or toxic. There are people in homosexual relationships or, you know, et cetera. Um, and it, it doesn't look, I mean, we have kind of, kind of a similar perspective there, but, um, I would just say like you, you aren't alone in that. Um, and then like the idea of leaving that is terrifying. Um, but I assure you if it is not healthy and if it is not serving you, it will be a huge blessing to you to, not be in that and to leave that no matter how hard that is in the short term. Um, it is absolutely 1000% worth it. I would not be the person I am today. Um, if I had kept in those situations and in some cases I wasn't the one to decide that to end, like in my marriage, my, my ex-husband had, um, wanted a divorce and I am, such a loyal person that I probably may have never left if he had not done that. And like, it just concerns me that there are people that might still be in situations like that because they're not being forced out. And because they have been conditioned their whole life to think that like, they have to be loyal to somebody that they've, you know, made a commitment to. There are exceptions. Um, your health and safety is one of them. (laughs) So, um, I would, yeah, I would just say it is absolutely worth it to, to listen to your gut and to do what is best for you, even if it's hard in the short term. Um, and yeah, I would say for anyone who has been there, done that, passed it, but still has like all this weight and trauma that, that they deal with on a daily basis from those experiences, um, shoot, <laughs> that's, that's tough. Um, yeah. it's does get better but it does not get better just with time like the pain might fade a little bit but it's not just gonna like magically heal like you have to put in the work that is going to happen if you put in the work but it won't happen if you don't um and I would just encourage them to seek resources whether that is support groups being in community with other people who have gone through that similar situation. Um, I mean, there's only a certain number of people I feel comfortable like telling my story to, um, because like 
if they don't get it, like, if they haven't been through that, then, like, I, I frankly don't feel comfortable, like, having that conversation um, most of the time. So, yeah, support groups, therapy, having somebody that is walking you through these things, um, helping you reframe those experiences um, and kind of creating that that healing journey. But it takes work. You have to put in the work. And yeah, putting on in that work for yourself before anything and knowing you Mm -hmm. can't fix people, you can't control people, you can't control their, the way they act or behave. And um, that's why it's important to just work on yourself. And I'd say to add that no, no one's personality makes up for doing really shitty things or saying Mm -hmm. really shitty things. And just because this person may have this beautiful side that no one can see except for you um, or people right when they meet them, right? Like you said, those, the charismaticness, um, it doesn't excuse awful behavior and, and it doesn't excuse abuse. Um, and there are people out there that won't hurt you like this. There mm-hmm. are people like that. And um, just remember that you are worth that you everyone is yeah yeah you are so worthy of being loved right yeah absolutely yeah yeah for sure thank you so much for talking with me about this today and being so vulnerable with me and uh i i just i definitely wouldn't have done this alone so thanks for doing it with me (laughs) yeah i am honored that when you have me on your podcast that is incredible I am just honored about that but then also that um you feel safe enough to to open up to me and to the world about um what you've experienced because like I I know that has so much power to to help people and I'm really excited to continue to watch you um yeah share share your experiences and knowledge with people on your your podcast forum you're doing great work Thanks, girl. You too on your well as hell pod. And everyone <laughs> needs to go follow that too. And um yeah, so I well, please stay now where people can go follow you and spell it out <laughs> that people can go look you up on Instagram and the podcast apps. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So if if you're into the gram, um, you can find me on Instagram at well as hell pod. That's W-E-L-L-A-S-H-E-L-L-P-O-D well as help pod and then if you are interested in following my like main account um I there's a little bit more heavy like running and super random weird stuff on that but if you're into that kind of thing <laughs> yes. um, you can f- find me I th- oh shoot I should know my handle I think it's underscore mace dog um, I'll add it in the show notes. Yeah, I think it's Mace Dog. Anyway, you can find me um, on their either account. Um, but yeah, if you want to send me an email um, about questions about my podcast or being on the podcast, um, that you can you can email me at wellishelppodcast at gmail.com. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how you could connect with me if you if you want to hang out. I'd love that. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Yeah, and I think yeah. you're your main accounts tagged into the podcast account too, if I remember. So people can find. Oh yeah. There. Yeah. You can just yeah. jump from there. Yeah. That's right. That was crazy. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, perfect. Man. Thank you again for talking with me and spending your early Saturday morning with me. <laughs> oh, it was a delight. Awesome. Thank you. All right. And I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Today's music was written and produced by Tyler O'Brien. You can find him on Instagram at dreamscape, D-R-E-A-M-S-C-A-P-E, and follow his band at wastelander underscore band on Instagram.